from NJ.com. This is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in Giants fans to the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Matt Lombardo and certainly this is an interesting week for the New York football Giants heading into the regular season finale at MetLife Stadium against the Philadelphia Eagles and a win over the Eagles would knock Philadelphia out of the playoffs, keep them from clinching the NFC East title. Dallas would be the NFC East division champions and a win would certainly make the decision all the more difficult for co-owners John Mara and Steve Tish regarding the futures of Giants GM Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer. And certainly we're going to get into all of that, talk about what a win would mean for the Giants, what could be coming in the offseason, the changes that could be made, my thoughts on all of that. And of course, answer all of your questions from our brand new text service at nj.com slash text. And of course, we would love if you would subscribe to the podcast in the Apple Podcast Store and on iTunes if you like what you hear and would really appreciate a five-star review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like about the show, and maybe some guests that you'd like to have us have on uh, over the course of the offseason. You can also check us out on iHeartRadio, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and toss us a like on YouTube as well. All of those things really help us grow the show. And I, for one, and I know I can speak for my friend and colleague, Daryl Slater, have really enjoyed the interactions on the tech service. And if you're not sure what we're talking about, go to nj.com slash text, and you can send text messages directly to Daryl and I with your thoughts on the Giants, with your questions. We've tried to share little inside nuggets, little pieces of information that we found out along the way with you guys directly. It's $4.99 a month. You get the first two weeks free, and certainly it's an easier way to interact with us and to go back and forth without having to go through um, you know, all of the you know nonsense that can come with being on Twitter. But let's look ahead to the game on Sunday, and before we do that, we can glance back at a thrilling over time win down in Washington at FedEx Field. Saquon Barkley was named the Offensive Player of the Week for the NFC after he set a franchise record with 279 yards from scrimmage, and he rushed for a career-high 189 yards. And what's really interesting is, with even missing three games this season due to a high ankle sprain and kind of being slow to get back on his feet and kind of struggling after the injury, Barkley now just needs 89 rushing yards to record his second 1,000-yard rushing season in his two-year career. So certainly Saquon Barkley has a lot to play for, but I think all eyes are going to be on the futures of Gettleman and Shermer, depending on what happens on Sunday. Now, I'm of the belief that John Mara and Steve Tisch need to follow through with that quote-unquote very honest conversation that they planned on having to discuss, dissect, and plan the Giants' future beyond this year. And of course, the biggest questions are, what do you do with GM Dave Gettleman and head coach Pat Shermer? Now, if they win on Sunday, I think that's a signature win for Pat Shermer. It's a feather in the cap to knock a division rival out of the postseason. You would give the NFC East title to the Dallas Cowboys. And Shermer and the Giants would have three straight wins to close out the season against the Miami Dolphins at Washington, and then a big win over the Eagles at home to close out the year and finish out at 5-11, and which was an identical record to next season. 
If you think back to last year and all of the talk about how the Giants finished strong following a 1-7 start to the season, let's not forget they lost the final three games last year. And all we heard from players, all we heard from Shermer, all we heard from Gettleman was how fast the Giants finished, how strong they finished, and how they hoped to build momentum into 2019. That clearly didn't materialize. It didn't materialize because if you look at the totality of the entire season, when you're evaluating Shermer, you need to take into account the nine-game losing streak in the middle of it. You need to take into account the brief periods of regression from Daniel Jones over the course of the year when he couldn't seem to master his turnover issues, kept fumbling the football. You saw a lot of the clock management issues and the timeout issues and concerns at the end of games, even going back to week three and Shermer repeatedly doubling down on his decisions to use all of his timeouts before three minutes were left, some of the blowout losses in the middle of the year, and oh, by the way, you lost to the Jets. Those are all things that John Mara and Steve Tisch are going to have to take a long and hard look at when it comes to developing an opinion and a plan for what to do with Pat Shermer. Because here's the thing. If you want to talk about the reason to keep Pat Shermer, I think it's twofold. Number one, if you're keeping Dave Gettleman, you need to keep Pat Shermer because firing Shermer and keeping Gettleman is simply window dressing, in my opinion, because you're remaining in the tired old Giants way and tired old mentality of how they evaluate talent and a lot of the things that we've talked about and written about in terms of concerns over Gettleman's lack of knowledge when it comes to positional value in the NFL, valuing draft capital, and some of the mistakes that he's made in free agency going back to blowing the Patrick Omame contract, donating $1.6 million or more into the Jonathan Stewart Retirement Fund, and making Nate Solder the highest paid offensive tackle in football. If you keep Dave Gettleman and you fire Pat Shermer, you're allowing Dave Gettleman another offseason with a top five draft pick, potentially $85.7 million in cap space to make the decisions for this franchise. And oh, by the way, allow him to hire a head coach that if you decide after year three to move on from Gettleman, the new general manager would then be saddled with. So to me, either Gettleman and Shermer both go or they don't stay. And the two arguments for keeping Shermer, and I know that they're not very strong arguments, number one is winning three straight games at the end of the year. Now, I get it. It's only Miami. It's only Washington. And it would be a banged up Eagles team with uncertainty whether Zach Ertz is going to play, a secondary that's been depleted, and a really up and down Eagles team that you had on the ropes in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago on Monday night. But it's still three straight wins. But more importantly, if you're bringing Pat Shermer back, you're bringing him back because you believe and value the continuity between head coach and rookie quarterback. And I don't think that you can quickly dismiss how important that is in the development of a quarterback. If you believe Daniel Jones has the chance to be a franchise quarterback and you're putting the evaluation and the drafting of of Daniel Jones in the positive side of the Dave Gettleman ledger as a reason to keep him beyond this year, then you also need to consider the importance of the relationship between a head coach and continuity of scheme between coach and rookie quarterback. And I've talked about this a lot before. I've written about it on the site. I've tweeted about it at Matt Lombardo NFL is how you find me on Twitter. But you just look at the dramatic leaps 
that young quarterbacks make from their rookie year to year two. Look in the division. You look at Carson Wentz. He was a pedestrian quarterback with arm strength concerns, tired arm, made some maddening decisions, especially in the second half of his rookie season. And there was talk of shutting him down during that rookie season. He comes back in 2017, his quarterback coach John Filippo and his offensive coordinator Frank Reich make a tweak to his throwing motion, and all of a sudden, he becomes, in year two, his second year with head coach Doug Peterson, an MVP candidate, and helps lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. You look at Jared Goff. Now, the counter-argument here is that Jeff Fisher held him back, so they fired him and brought in Sean McVay as the head coach, and McVay helped develop Goff into a quarterback who led the Rams on a postseason run, and the following year, his third season, took the Rams to a Super Bowl after Los Angeles went out and got him Brandon Cooks and added to the speed on that offense. Lamar Jackson led the Ravens to a playoff game last year, appeared in a playoff game in Baltimore. Now he's an MVP candidate after they kept John Harbaugh around and went out and got him Hollywood Brown at wide receiver to stretch the field and create space underneath. You look at the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen last year, up and down campaign, showed you a lot of nice things with his arm strength, some things you really, really like with his mobility, but in year two, with the same coaching staff and with a couple of additions, including a rookie in Devin Singletary and some more weapons on the outside, he has the Bills in the postseason in year two. That's what you're hoping to get for Daniel Jones in year two. You're hoping to get a head coach, whether it's Pat Shermer or somebody else, to develop Jones into the type of player who can lead you to the postseason next year. And I think continuity of scheme matters. Now, we can talk all we want about the nine straight losses. We can talk all we want about the fact that Pat Shermer only won nine games in his first two years heading into Sunday. And those are very fair criticisms. Those are very fair criticisms. And I think that those are the reasons why it's likely that he will be fired. But if you're going to keep Dave Gettleman because he drafted Daniel Jones, you need to give strong consideration to keeping Pat Shermer to continue to develop Jones. And Jones went on record this week. Um, He answered my question at his locker the other day when uh, I asked him point blank or he was asked point blank about whether he's enjoyed working with Pat Shermer and whether he thinks it's important that Pat Shermer comes back. And he said, quote, that's above my pay grade, but I've enjoyed working with Coach Shermer. He's done a whole lot for my development and my growth. He's been great for me, is what Jones had to say. And Jones's numbers, we can talk about the turnovers all we want, the 10 loss fumbles, the 11 interceptions. But for a rookie playing in an offense, it's been incomplete because Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, wide receivers, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate didn't take a snap together the entire year. And Jones missed two games with a high ankle sprain. He still has 2,726 yards, 23 touchdowns, and 11 picks. That's pretty impressive. It's been huge for me since I've gotten here, Jones said of Pat Shermer. I think Pat's a great coach, particularly for a young quarterback to work with him. He's installed his offense and how he sees it and how he's coached me. It's been very important to my development. I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to work with him. Now, we'll see if he has the opportunity to work with him beyond this year, but I think it's very telling and very interesting when you look around the league and you look at the fact that Matt Patricia and the Lions GM, there was a vote of confidence from the Ford family and ownership in Detroit. You look at Atlanta, Dan Quinn and their general manager both will be back in 2020. We've had no such assurances, no such votes of confidence for Gettleman and Shermer. And that's why I believe 
That's why I think that there's a good chance that both are shown the door on Black Monday, regardless of what happens on Sunday afternoon. Regardless. Because you have to view this through the lens of what's happened to the Giants the last two years. And I don't think that Gettleman, for all of the promise about Jones and Dexter Lawrence and the improved play of DeAndre Baker this year, I don't think that you can overlook the fact that he didn't even pick up the phone to entertain trade offers when it comes to the number two pick a year ago. And and you know my stance on Saquon Barkley. My stance all along has been that if you're not in love with Lamar Jackson, which there are a lot of teams that weren't in love with Lamar Jackson last year, he fell all the way to the 32nd pick in the draft. So you can't particularly fault the, the, the Giants and Gettleman exclusively for that blunder. But if you don't love Lamar Jackson, if you don't love Sam Darnold, if you don't love Josh Allen, then taking the best player in the draft who could turn out to be Barkley and really has turned into a, a, a the type of player who you can build an offense around the last two years and moving forward, then I have no problem taking Barkley. But to not even entertain the idea of a trade with the Jets, if I were Dave Gettleman, and I knew that Barkley was my guy, and I knew that the Jets were picking third, and that they were desperate for a quarterback, instead of telegraphing that Barkley was my pick by saying that we believe he was touched by the hand of God leading up to the NFL draft, I would have been talking up to Sam Darnold. I would have been espousing the virtues of Sam Darnold for weeks leading up to the draft. I would have talked about how much I love his command of the pocket, how much I love his arm strength, how much I, I love his decision-making. I love the fact that he went to USC and has the experience of being a franchise quarterback in one of the biggest and most crucible of pressure-filled markets in college football that he's pro-ready. That's what I would have been saying, pounding the table leading up to the draft in hopes that Mike McCagnan and the Jets would pick up the phone and offer me two or three draft picks to move back to number three overall, have those extra two or three picks, and still take Saquon Barkley. It's a fireable offense, in my opinion, not to have entertained trade offers for Barkley and for that pick. When you still could have come away with Barkley or Quinton Nelson or Bradley Chubb, in the first round of that draft. Between the misallocation of resources in that draft, between trading a third-round pick and potentially a fifth and a fourth-round pick for Leonard Williams, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, it just goes to show you, and I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, just how out of touch with the business side of the NFL in the year 2019 that Dave Gettleman is, and that's why you need to move on. That's why you need to pull the plug on Gettleman and in turn pull the plug on Pat Shermer. Now, there's a complicated hurdle here for the Giants if they fire Pat Shermer with two, three years remaining on his contract. Because not only will the Giants be on the hook for his salary or the difference in his salary from whatever his next job is for the next three years, they still will be paying Ben McAdoo next season. So that means if the Giants fire Pat Shermer on Monday... They will be paying Pat Shermer to be the head coach. They will be paying Ben McAdoo to be the head coach. And they'll be paying Mike McCarthy or Matt Rule or uh, Ron Rivera or whoever the next head coach is to be the head coach. I don't know that John Mara will open up the checkbook to pay three head coaches next year. 
If they win on Sunday against the Eagles and they finish with three straight victories after all we heard about finishing strong even though they lost three games in a row to finish 2018, I could see for the reasons of Daniel Jones' development and for the reasons of not paying three head coaches to be the head coach for the 2020 season, I could see them bringing both back. I could see them running it back out there one more time and giving Dave Gettleman $85.7 million in cap space, a top five pick in the draft, and Pat Shermer a second season with Daniel Jones in a playoff or bust type of season. That is the only case. That is one of the only reasons that I see Pat Shermer being back and Dave Gettleman being back. But in my opinion... You should move on from both. And I've written that on the site several times. In my opinion, this organization is never going to have a better time or a better opportunity to hit the reset button with a top five pick and $85 million in cap space to go and get a Chris Dodds out of Indianapolis, the assistant general manager there to Chris Ballard, to go and get a Daniel Jeremiah out of the the broadcast booth at NFL Network, to go and get the assistant GM for the Dallas Cowboys or the assistant GM for the New England Patriots, to bring in a forward-thinking, analytics-driven mindset to bring the Giants into the 21st century. Let's not forget that this is seven of eight seasons where the Giant way, quote-unquote, has not worked, where the Giant way has not led to a playoff appearance. The Giants have become a laughingstock in recent years, and this is a franchise that has a lot of pride and they have a lot of um, self-importance and self-worth based on their history and the four Lombardi trophies that are in the entranceway of their facility. But those four Lombardi trophies might as well be sitting in a museum because they are not any closer right now to getting back to the Super Bowl or getting back to the postseason than they were a year ago. They're probably going to finish with the same record or one fewer win. Do I think they can beat the Eagles on Sunday? I do. I think that they have a chance given the fact that it's Daniel Jones who's fully healthy and looked all the bit of a rookie of the year type of candidate last weekend throwing for five touchdowns, throwing for 352 yards in his return from a high ankle sprain with Saquon Barkley looking like Saquon Barkley again and only needing 89 yards to reach 1,000 yards on the season. There's a chance you could get that by halftime. Do I think they can beat the Eagles based on how banged up the Eagles are in their secondary with Ronald Darby going through a hip flexor, with Zach Ertz potentially not being 100%, with their wide receiving core being decimated by injuries? Yeah, I do. I just don't know how much weight you need to put on that win alone. Sure, it'll carry weight. It'll make the conversation more difficult. And I could certainly see them winning this game, finishing with three straight wins, and bringing the band back together for one more run. I could see that but I don't think it's the right move. Let's head to the questions from the text board at nj.com slash text. Uh, This one comes in. One question I have with the way the Giants' ownership is structured, if there is firm dispute and disconnect between Mara and Tish on whether to fire Gettleman and Shermer or not, how does that decision get made if both sides refuse to to budge? Curious if it's 50-50 ownership rights with Tish and Mara. That's going to be fascinating to watch unfold because I think, and you sold the report from Jordan Ron on of ESPN this week that Steve Tisch is in favor of an overhaul. And I, and, and I, I, would certainly, I would certainly believe that as well based on the public comments from Steve Tisch refusing to give a vote of confidence to Gettleman and Shermer at multiple chances when he had to do it and he refused to. I get to see Tisch being in favor of an overhaul. 
John Merrill, on the other hand, likely and potentially could favor stability, even though we've been given no indication of that. So it's going to be fascinating to watch if it's split down the middle, who winds up winning that arm wrestling match. Um, I, I think it's going to be very interesting, and I think that at the end of the day, it, it, it could be a difficult decision for these owners. Another text comes in. I think the Giants will stay t- status quo. They will not eat three years of Pat Shermer's contract. That's very possible as well, as I talked about, because they would have three years of either paying Shermer's remaining contract or the salary difference between what he makes as head coach versus whatever he makes in his next coaching job, be it as an offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach, somewhere along the line. Maybe he ends up as the quarterback coach in Kansas City with Andy Reid. You look what's happening in Philadelphia. If they lose on Sunday especially, and they wind up firing their offensive coordinator, Mike Rowe, and their defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, and forcing Doug Peterson to rebuild his coaching staff, I could easily see Shermer returning to Philadelphia and being the offensive coordinator. That would take away some of the offset language that the Giants would be on the hook for, and they would just need to pay the difference between Shermer's salary as a offensive coordinator to compare to what he was going to make as the head coach. Another question comes in, can we run on Philly? Will we be disciplined to patiently run the football? If so, I believe it will open up the weak defensive backfield. Also, can Betcher teach our young defensive backs to cover the tight ends and crossing patterns? After 15 games, these kids should be able to cover the hobbled receiving core of the Eagles. That's from Bill. Bill, thank you for the question. Uh, First of all, the Eagles' run defense is one of the toughest to run on in the NFL. They're only allowing 88.9 yards per game. Consequently, and uh, coincidentally, Finally, Saquon Barkley only needs, as we talked about, 89 more rushing yards to reach 1,000 on the season. So I think the Giants are going to be committed to the running game as they were in Washington. But this is a better run defense than what the Redskins brought to the table at FedEx Field. Um, the Eagles, one of the top in the league in terms of rushing defense, and that's certainly not the case with the Redskins. But what we talked about before, three weeks ago in Philadelphia, Barkley had 17 carries for 66 yards. I don't think they'd get away from the running game, especially especially with the success that they had the past two weeks against Miami and Washington. So I think that Saquon's going to have a big day. Um, and, and as far as the tight ends go, if, if it's Dallas Goddard, I think that's a little bit easier for the, the Giants. But you think back to that game-winning touchdown, what's really kind of troubling, you think to that game-winning touchdown that Zach Kurtz caught against the Eagles, it was... Alec Ogletree and Michael Thomas, two defensive captains who really had no idea what they were looking at on that play. Not not two young players, two veterans and captains. I, I look at that and they had no idea what they were doing on a very simple route concept that's been the bread and butter of Doug Peterson and the Eagles offense for years, and they didn't know what they were doing. So if you didn't know what you were doing in that spot, I have a hard time believing that three weeks later, you're somehow going to be better prepared. Now, Ertz is dealing with a back injury and fractured ribs, so who knows if he's going to play. But if he's available, that's someone that the Giants need to be accounted for on every down. You need to know where Zach Ertz is on every passing play, every passing situation, because we've seen what he can do against the Giants. And just a quick aside about about James Betcher. Let's say the Giants bring the band back together. 
let's say that Pat Shermer's the head coach week one in 2020 and Dave Gettleman is still the GM. I, I think there's a less than 10% chance that James Betcher is the defensive coordinator. Now, we can talk about the lack of talent. We can talk about the young players and the fact that the secondary is now starting three rookies with Julian Love, Corey Ballantyne, DeAndre Baker, and Sam Beal, who is a, a first-year player. His rookie year was kind of taken up by injury, and he was basically a medical redshirt. So three rookies and a first-year starter – we can talk about the lack of talent. We can talk about the youth up front. We can talk about the fact that Alec Ogletree might be the worst coverage linebacker in the NFL, and David Mayo has only um, been mildly inconsistent throughout the course of the season. But a price needs to be paid for how undisciplined this defense has played, for how out of position this secondary has been, how frequently quarterbacks, including Mitchell Trubisky and a very pedestrian Bears offense, really exploited the matchup against the Giants secondary. Someone needs to be held accountable and, and held to the carpet for this. And I think Betcher is going to be made the scapegoat regardless of who the head coach is in 2020. Another question comes in, how many players will be back for the 2020 season? Now, I kind of went through my head before I started recording this podcast, tried to go through the locks. Who is a lock to be back next year? None of the potential salary cap casualties, nobody who might retire. And I only was looking at the starting players. And here's who I came up with. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeitler, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, B.J. Hill, Lorenzo Carter, David Mayo, Ryan Connolly, Jabril Peppers, DeAndre Baker, and Sam Beal. That's 16 locks out of your starting 22. I don't know what the future holds for John Jalapio, who I think has been up and down at center. I really don't know what the Giants' plan is for Nate Solder. They have a potential out after this season if they want to move on, and certainly his regression this year has been stark and dramatic and his contract when the Giants made him the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL in 2018 has been an albatross. So I don't know that Nate Solder is necessarily going to be back. I'm not sure what the plan is at right tackle, but I know the long-term solution isn't Mike Remmers. And defensively, you look at the safety spot, Antoine Bethay, to me, should have been benched long before Jabril Peppers got hurt. And I think there's a decent chance you're going to see Peppers and Julian Love as your starting secondary, your starting pair of safeties next year. So I think 16 of your starting 22 players have a chance to be back next year. Golden Tate, you freed up $7.2 million in cap space by not his guarantee not being guaranteed following his four-game PED suspension. The Giants could easily move on from Tate and grab one of the young rookies in a very promising draft class at wide receiver to pair with Slayton and Shepard. So I think 16 of the 22 starters are locks to be back next year. All right, one final question comes in on the text board. Are we going to continue to upgrade the offensive line in 2020? And I think that's absolutely a, a yes. And I think the Giants are probably going to look to add at least one offensive tackle in the draft and potentially one from free agency, depending on what they do with Solder. The easiest solution, if they plan on bringing Nate Solder back and believe that there needs to be continuity along the offensive line and that Solder's regression is more tied to some of the issues that have been going on away from the field in his 
his personal life than any sort of on-field um, physical regression. I could see them moving Solder to right tackle and drafting Andrew Thomas, number four, number five overall, the right tackle out of Georgia, moving him to left tackle, the left tackle rather, putting him at left tackle and Solder at right. So I think that the offensive line needs to be a priority. And again, one of the reasons why I think that Dave Gettleman should be fired is you've had two full draft classes and you've drafted one one offensive tackle, which is arguably and has arguably been the biggest position of need on this roster since Gettleman took over. And that offensive tackle was Big George Asavi Ayo, or however you pronounce his last name, Big George out of Kentucky in the seventh round. Seventh round picks are lottery picks. Those aren't players that you count on filling any sort of need, and Big George has missed the entire season with the concussion. Now, obviously, Gettleman can't be held accountable or liable for that concussion or the fact that he hasn't played a single down, but you have not prioritized the offensive line or certainly not the offensive tackle spot through the draft with an offensive line that was in shambles and one of the worst in the league when you took over. That's a problem, and that's a fireable offense. So, prediction time. First off for Sunday's game, I do think the Giants win the game. I think they do enough. I think they have enough speed on offense. I think they're talented enough to take advantage of some of the injuries that the Eagles are going through right now. I think they win the game something in the area of 26 to 24 and really complicate matters for Gettleman and Shermer and certainly Tish and Mara when they have their very honest discussion, quote-unquote, with one another about the future next week. And my Black Monday prediction, I do think both are gone. I don't think that when you look at the entire picture and you take away the emotion of three wins in a row, I don't think that you can ignore ignore the fact that Pat Shermer has won just nine games in his first two seasons, even with a win on Sunday, would be 10 wins in his first two seasons. I just don't think that the Giants can sell to this fan base and to that locker room, who, who remains all on board with Pat Shermer, at least publicly in the things that they say. I don't think you can sell bringing back a head coach that has matching 5-11 5-11 and 11 records his first two seasons. And if you're going to fire the head coach, you need to allow your next general manager to make that hire. So that's why I believe Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer are both out on Black Monday. Thanks for listening. Appreciate you uh, subscribing and hanging with us through the entire season. I know it hasn't been the type of season that Giants fans envisioned either of the last two seasons, but we certainly enjoy interacting with you on Twitter. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. The podcast is at Talk is Cheap NYG. And we really appreciate if you would check out our text service at nj.com slash text. Love sending those text messages. Love getting the messages and the interactions we have there. Um, we'll be back with you next week to break down the game break down whatever happens on Black Monday and preview the offseason. Until then, I'm Matt Lombardo. Thanks for listening to the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com.